The path to getting everything that we want, whether it's personally or professionally, starts by getting one thing at a time. This means you think big about your goals, but then you go small. And when I say small to the point that like you look at that row of dominoes and you know that two-inch one that effortlessly with the flick of a finger, it'll fall. But because the dominoes are lined up, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting-edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Valley podcast. Hey, everybody that listens to Superhumans at Work, know that all of these episodes are recorded with a live studio audience. Mindvalley members get a chance to join these sessions with the author themselves while we record these sessions. And at the end of every show, they actually get to participate in a Q&A session as well. If ever you're interested in joining Mindvalley All Access and become a member yourself, you'll get access to all the incredible courses from Mindvalley and so much more to be involved with Superhumans at Work, the Mindvalley podcast, and all the other incredible features when you become a member. We are disrupting the way that education works for the 21st century, and we want you to be a part of it. Go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman so you can learn more about this incredible offer, which will cost you less than $2 a day. That's mindvalley.com forward slash S-U-P-E-R-H-U-M-A-N. Now, let's get started with the show. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. We have an incredible guest today that has been part of one of the biggest changes I've done in my life. The One Thing was a book that came out in 2013 that was co-authored with Gary Keller, and Jeff Woods has become the vice president of the actual movement around the one thing. He's now the co-founder of Productive and hosts the One Thing podcast, which is one of the top 5% podcasts in the world. Now, Jeff has been interviewing individuals around the world and speaking about the magic of this one thing. And this is really what we're going to talk about today. Do you have a goal list? Do you have multiple projects that you're chasing? Are you feeling sometimes a little overwhelmed? Or do you feel that you're sometimes busy just for the sake of busyness? If any of that resonates with you, you're going to listen to this episode and you're going to probably have an aha moment very similar to the one that I have. I'm going to be even sharing something towards the end of this episode that I actually applied this one thing concept in a way that might give you access to some of my accounts. To know about that, stick till the end. But for now, I'm so excited to have Jeff Woods here. Jeff, welcome to the show. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Pleasure to be here. Now, Jeff, I want to go into a bit of your story because I think that's fascinating. I know you started off as being a medical device salesman. And I know for those who know me, I'm all about salespeople. Sales is my passion. So I always have respect for a salesperson. But you've transitioned yourself from salesperson to CEO in like a record time. Can you walk us through that journey? Sure. So prior to co-founding this company with the co-authors of the book, I was in medical device sales, which that was a phenomenal job. I woke up every day. I got to put on scrubs. I ran through hospitals. I sold a device that actually saved lives for fun. I would try to get my wife to call me McDreamy. And she just said, in your dreams, homeboy. Um, but I was in this place in my life where even though things were good professionally, I found myself lacking fulfillment. And I know a lot of people who are with us right now know what that feels like. It's why they're, they're big fans of Mindvalley. They're, things might be okay, yet I'm meant for more. How do I go on that journey? And that's where I was two things happened in my life that really 
were the catalyst for the change. And the first was a colleague of mine had a stroke. And at the time he was just 35 years old, which for me, I am now 35. And so that it, it kind of crazy to think that something so serious could happen. And I remember at the time, my wife and I had just bought a house in Orange County. We just had our first child. My wife decided to become a stay-at-home mom. And I was standing in my kitchen wondering if what happened to my colleague had happened to me, what would happen to my family? That was very unsettling. The very next week, my company needed to make a change to our commission structure in order to remain competitive in the marketplace. Publicly traded company. It was the right move. Overnight, I lost 40% of my income which I'm curious for the people who are here live, how many of you have ever had a massive pay cut or a devastating job loss? If so, just put a bunch of dollar signs in the chat box. I'd love just to see if this resonates with you. For somebody as the sole provider, this just rocked me to my core. It was at that moment that I heard the Jim Rohn quote, you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. Now I did something really interesting. I actually grabbed a pen and a piece of paper and I started making a list of who my five were, Jason. And what was interesting is when I looked at the, the list, I saw a list of five amazing friends, people I always want to be in my life. The aha moment was, I have five amazing friends. I don't have five amazing mentors. That set me on a journey to surround myself with people who are where I wanted to be. I wanted to wake up one day owning a big business that made a big impact in the world and delivered real security for my family. I started focusing on how do I surround myself with those people? You fast forward, it's our national sales meeting. And I walk into the ballroom and on every chair was a copy of the book, The One Thing. And then out on stage walked Jay Papazan, who's the co-author of the book. And for the next hour, he proceeded to talk about how this is the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. And how Gary Keller used these principles to build Keller Williams to the largest real estate company in the world. The whole time I'm sitting in the audience going, what would it take to make Jay one of my five? What would it take to make a Gary Keller one of my five? And then of course, you know, all the limiting beliefs, like what can you say to them to make them interested in me? Like that'll never happen. Well, when he finished speaking, he got a standing ovation. And when everybody else sat down, I found myself standing. Jason, you ever had one of those moments where your mind's telling you to do one thing, but your heart's kind of pulling you in a different direction? It's like, it's one of those moments. It takes courage because your freakout meter goes up. <laughs> yeah. My mind was telling me, Jeff, just sit down. But there was something deep inside me. It was like, run. And before you know it, I am literally running down the side of the ballroom because like I had to be the first person to intercept Jay. And that began a conversation. What I was unaware of was that the one thing had already become one of the highest rated business books of all time. And this created a problem. Because Gary Keller's one thing, running Keller Williams. Jay's one thing, writing books with Gary. They had already invested an entire year looking for somebody whose one thing would be the one thing. And that became my opportunity. Moved my family to Austin. And for the last five years, we have built a business that helps people better invest their time so they can achieve extraordinary results. Now, I'd be curious to know, because I know when you ended up being in a meeting, I know there was like some sort of situation where they started listing you what were the criteria they were looking for, for the right kind of person. Oh, and then yeah. as they started listing that, they kind of started zooming in on you. So like, I'd love to just add this is like, what were some of the skills and things that you've nurtured in your life that made you so ready for that role? So we even have to unpack how that happened. When I approached Jay, I just told him, my name's Jeff Woods. First and foremost, thank you. Like you just made such an impact on me. I feel called to share your message. 
out of everything you're focused on, where do you need help most right now? That's what I asked him. And he said, we're looking for more exposure for the book. I just so happened to have a podcast at the time called The Mentee. It was in the top 20% of all podcasts in the world. And so I offered to feature him. And at the end of the interview, I asked him, what are you focusing on? How can I help? And he said, we're looking for more exposure. And so I said, well, I happen to have relationships with some of the top podcasters in the world. Let me get you booked on their shows. And I literally took the time to get him booked on shows. I followed up a month later. What are you focusing on? How can I help? We're looking for more exposure. He had no idea I was writing for entrepreneur.com at the time. I wrote an article. I blasted it. I didn't even tell him about it. I just started tagging him in all my social posts and he started sharing them. So I commented, what are you focusing on? How can I help? Notice four times I came from contribution, trying to figure out how I could bring value. Notice four times I didn't ask for a single thing. That fourth time, he said, we're looking for a CEO for a publishing company. And I said, I actually know three people that could be a good fit. I'm a super connector. Let's talk. And when we got on the phone, he said, we are looking for somebody who has a strong sales background, who has a strong finance background, who knows how to turn content into dollars. And in that moment, it hit me like a freight train because it wasn't those people. I cut my teeth with Xerox, some of the best sales training you can have in the world. And I'm a president's club winner in medical device. Like I'm your sales guy. Finance background, I majored in accounting. I almost became a CPA. Knew how to turn content into dollars. I turned the mentee into a six-figure business in 10 months. But the thing that actually made me qualified wasn't just that I had the background of those three things. I now had a track record with him that I was the guy that tried to help others get what they want first. Hmm. That's so good. And right there already qualifies you as someone that's coming from such a great place as a salesperson and for everything that you do. And this story is fascinating. And so for everybody that is listening in live, by the way, if you're listening to this podcast, know that we have a live audience that gets to participate during these recordings. And if ever you're interested to be part of this, go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, and you'll be able to learn about what it takes to become a member. Now, I'd be curious to know who here has always been chasing things and has actually started with this amount of contribution first. Some of you might've went through a quest with Keith Barazzi. You've learned about this relationship action plan, but you see Jeff here applying it in such a wonderful way. And I'm so impressed by it. And I'm learning from this. And now like you're crushing it. You're on the podcast, you're running this. And now what's this new company you're working on, which is Productive. Productive is the training company behind the book, The One Thing. So everything we do is just, it's about time. When you think about it, it's our most valuable resource. Mm. The problem is most people spend it. Mm. They don't invest it. Everything we do is about helping people invest the time with the expectation of a return personally and professionally. Let's dive into the one thing because it's funny. The one thing is almost, it seems oversimplistic. And I know a lot of people, the first thing they judge with the one thing, they're like, wait, this probably doesn't work for me. I have a lot of different things I need to mm -hmm. achieve. So can you walk us as to like, why is this one thing principle? And, and what is this? Like, why is this working? And what is it? It's the surprisingly simple truth behind extraordinary results. Now we have to pause there. We're not talking about good results. We're not talking about average. We're not talking about great. We're talking about extraordinary, the people who truly taste rare air. And it's simple truths. It's not complicated. It's super simple. And to be clear, it doesn't mean it's easy, but it is simple. You already touched on it, which is the most common thing. People hear the idea of the book or the podcast and they go, well, I have more than one thing. This won't work for me. And the truth is we all have more than one thing. Yet 
we fundamentally understood this as kids and we forgot it somewhere on our road to adulthood. You ever play with dominoes when you were a kid? Mm-hmm. You ever stand them up and knock them all down? Well, yeah, definitely. How'd you do it? Well, I took the one and I knocked it down and it led everything else to continue. Like nobody taught us that it's ridiculous to just stand them up randomly and knock each one down individually. We fundamentally understood as kids, you stand them up, you line them up, and you whack away at the first one first. And it's the same thing in our lives. The path to getting everything that we want, whether it's personally or professionally, starts by getting one thing at a time. This means you think big about your goals, but then you go small. And when I say small to the point that like you look at that row of dominoes and you know that two-inch one that effortlessly with the flick of a finger, it'll fall. But because the dominoes are lined up, everything else becomes easier or unnecessary. Jeff, it's so fun because like this book, like seriously made such a difference for me because I am maybe one of these like ADD people that can do a lot of different <laughs> things. And I'm, here's the problem though. You sound like I, an entrepreneur. Well, the problem was that I'm really good at it. Like if you told me I had a bunch of dominoes everywhere and, and then they're like, Jason, you need to knock them all out like in record time. Like I would get a dopamine hit from just having like a record time of knocking down 20 dominoes that would not create any momentum. The whole busy for the sake of being busy, but there's a bit of an addiction to that. And when I read the one thing, there's so many times that I felt stuck. I felt a little lost. And when I read this, this just cut through all the BS so fast. And again, if I'm going to be someone who wants to apply the one thing, like if I'm coming in fresh and I feel like I'm a little disconnected in my life, is there like a process to kind of clear up that anxiety that you might be facing while you see all this unconnected things happening yeah, in your life? There absolutely is. And I can absolutely empathize with it because that's how I felt part of living this. Like you just feel like there's so many things going on. It's so noisy in your head. It's almost paralyzing. Mm -hmm. And what I have found is that quite often you have all these things swirling around in your head. And because you don't have a simple way to get them out of your head into an organized manner, it continues to occupy your mind share. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is like when you study mindfulness, what does it teach you? Like, to be present in that moment, as the thoughts come, like you let them go. And it's the same thing here. How do we be clear on what our priority is right now? And if this is my priority right now, by saying yes to this right now, by default, I'm saying no to everything else for this sliver of time. That means we should ask ourselves the question, is now the time that my email should even be open? Is now the time where I should even be able to feel my phone vibrate if I get a text? Is now the time that my team should be able to slack me or walk by and ask, hey, do you got a minute? But if we look at the way most people behave throughout their days, they fire up their computer and what's the first thing they check? Emails. Until they have to go to a... Meeting. They get out of the meeting, have five minutes, so they check. Emails. Then somebody calls and asks, hey, do you got a minute? And that becomes 10. <laughs> and then it repeats mm. all day long. And I'm curious, you ever had one of those days where you thought, I was busy. I get anything done. I did nothing, but I was busy. 
And then you're just like, well, the day went through, but what the hell was actually accomplished? And here's the thing. It's not your fault. But that is a reflection of you spending your time. Mm. The opportunity is to start investing it. Mm. And the only way you invest your time is when you are clear. Of all the things I could do today, if I can only do one, what's the most important thing that I get done today? And let me have a sliver of time. We called it a time block where I'm going to say yes to that one thing. And by default, say no to everything else just for that period of time so I can just knock that one domino down. Because by knocking that one domino down, I understand that it's automatically going to set me up with more momentum to knock down the next domino or automatically do it. Oh man, it's so crazy to hear this. And I'm so happy that we get to share this message to all the listeners because like the reason I'm almost done with a book is exactly because I read the one thing because I had a message that I want to put out and it was all about selling with love. I had done a keynote about it. I talked to a lot of people about it and I was sitting with some friends and this was out in Miami and it's Tucker Max and the company called Scribe. I know Tucker very well. (laughs) I was going to say, if you were in Austin, you're probably friends with these guys. He, he He had done some work with them and he just sits with me and he's like, Jason, like if you believe in this message and you want to spread it out, what's the one thing that you can do? And that's the exercise we ran. What's the one thing you can do that the message will become clear, that you'll actually get credibility. You'll be able to get this message in the masses. And we came to the conclusion, it was write a book. And that was scary to me. And that's what happens, I feel like, when you get into the one thing is you start doing that one thing that's scary. And so is that normal? And how do you start overcoming that? Because the most important thing is not always the easy thing. Mm. It's something that's really important, probably requires a lot of thought. It requires a lot of focus. And especially when it's a creative work, like you're putting yourself out there to be judged. But on the flip side, most people, I mean, if we followed most people around with a camera, we would see them spending their time in their inbox, in meetings, and saying yes when people ask if they got a minute. Let's throw in social media in that. (laughs) Social media. Let's ask a question. How many of you who are here live have ever received a promotion ever? in your career? If so, put me in the chat box. Now, here's what I want you to ask. How many of you believe you got promoted because you were the best email checker in your company? If so, put number one, otherwise give me a two. (laughs) I think we're dropping a lot of twos here. Right? How how about the best meeting attender? I mean, your notes, they sparkled. They were so good. What I'm about to say, I say with grace and accountability. Most people go through their careers majoring in the minors. That hits. This is incredible. And again, for those that are listening in, like you again, think maybe that the one thing sounds like a simple framework, but again, simple doesn't necessarily mean easy. I'd love to know, like we're talking about the one thing. Is there a certain process when you start applying this? Because we've seen this in the one day, like what's the one thing today? But if I have big goals and many goals over the long term, can this still work? Yeah, absolutely. So is this going out audio only or video later? Most people are going to be listening to this audio only for you people listening to the podcast, but we have some videos that are being shown for those who are here live with us. Well, I'm going to draw and I'm going to describe what I'm drawing so that you can see this. Ultimately, this is a system for setting goals for your life and not just setting goals, but having a relationship with your goals. 
just for the people who are listening to the podcast, just find me on Instagram, which is at Jason Mark Campbell. And I'll send you the clip of the video that you can see this clip, because I think it's going to be very important for you. And I'd love to hear from you. So just send me a direct message saying, Jason, I want the video clip and I'll be able to send it to you directly. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah. So my partner, Jay and I were, were taking a walk one day and he said, you know, Jeff, the world doesn't need a new way to set goals. They need a way to have a relationship with them. Jason, you ever been in a romantic relationship ever? Mm -hmm. Good. Otherwise, we'd have to redefine what your one thing was. <laughs> <We'd have> uh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> I, I want you to think back to early in the relationship, that moment when you realized that, you know what, this can go somewhere. You remember that moment? Mm -hmm. How ridiculous would it have been if you looked at them and said, you know what? I see something amazing here. I'd love to figure out where this can go. So here's what I propose. Let's get together in a year and see how it's going. That's absurd. That's not what we did. When we started to feel something, we went all in. We started going on dates. And in between dates, we're communicating with them. And in between communications, we're thinking about them. And as things started to go better, we thought bigger. We might've moved in. We might've gotten married. We might've had kids. And like with all relationships, when there was conflict, you best believe we started changing our activities so we could get back on track. Mm -hmm. Here's why we share this with you. We know how to have a relationship with another person, but we never learned how to have a relationship with our goals. Most people set the goal. They say, I like you. Let's see where this goes. And then they literally say, I'll see you in a year. And they spend their time in their inbox, in meetings, and saying yes to God a minutes. What we propose is a way to have a relationship with your goals. So here's how we do it. And I'm going to draw this out and I'll describe for you. First and foremost, we do not set our goals looking forward. We do not ask what are our goals for the year. We do what's called goal setting to the now. Because if I say yes to a goal for this year, I have no context if it's actually leading me toward a life worth living or distracting me away from it. Because it can be shiny in a year, but over the course of a lifetime, it can lead in very different directions. So the first thing that we do, and we actually facilitate a full-blown retreat around this every year. We have one that's geared specifically for couples doing it together. Another one for individuals and teams is we first and foremost establish what are our goals someday. And we're talking personal and professional goals, spirituality, physical health, your personal life, your key relationships, your job, your business, your finances, someday. For me, by the way, someday is 20 years. You get to identify what that means. This is bigger thinking than most people have ever thought. Most people can only think like, what does a year look like? But what does 20 years look like? I don't know. Okay, well, let's ask the question and search for the answer and get a sense of direction. Once we have that, we can then identify, great, where would I need to be in the next five years to feel like I'm on track for someday? And once, again, this is not easy, but once you have the direction, when you ask, what do I have to do this year to be on track for my five? Instead of seeing all the things that you could do, your path becomes extremely narrow. You see priorities when most people see distractions. They see shiny objects that look like they should say yes to this year. And you understand that actually doesn't take me to where I want to go. Only this path does. And once you know what your goals are for the year, two things. If you're a business owner or if you lead a team, you need a business plan, which we have a framework for that called a GPS, just like the GPS on your phone gets you to where you want to go. And once you have your business plan, every person needs a tool 
to have a relationship with their goals. For us, it's a tool called a 411. It stands for the relevant information or truth. It also stands for four weeks, one month, one year. What I have to focus on each of the weeks to lead up to the month, to lead up to the year. And then I can just say, great, these are my priorities for the year. And that allows me to break down to what exactly do I have to do this month to break down exactly what I have to do this week to the point that I can open up my calendar and actually block time for the 20% priorities that are going to drive 80% of my results. So when you talk about what's the framework, this is it. And this works for individuals. And we also scale this inside of companies all the way up to the Fortune 500. That is incredible. And you know what I love the most about this is actually that 20-year perspective? Because like you said, that is really challenging. Do you have things that you could share from some of the students you've worked with or maybe yourself? Because that I think will give us some perspective. And I know there's a lot of people listening that are part of LifeBook as well. This is a goal setting program we have here at Mindvalley. I combine the one thing with LifeBook. All right. It's an extremely compatible process. And so, Mm -hmm. but the 20 year things, like we set life visions in this process, but the 20 years is a specific number and it seems a lot more concrete. Can you give us some more examples of what that looks like? Let's first and foremost talk about what's the purpose of a goal. My partner Gary would say to you, it's actually not to achieve a result, which defies what most people believe. He would submit to you that the purpose of the goal is to be appropriate in the moment. Based on that vision for that goal that you have, it should inform how do I have to behave right now? It should be a compass for your actions. So let me give you a real world example. Two years ago, when my wife and I did our couple's goal-setting retreat, we sat down and asked, what does extraordinary look like someday from now for us? And again, someday is 20 years. And one of the things that we acknowledged is it was really important to us that we live closer to mountains. I grew up in Southern California. I went skiing every year, multiple times a year. And we find ourselves living in Austin, Texas, because that's where my partners are. And as long as I'm running this company, I have to be in Austin. But someday we want to be closer to mountains. It really matters to me that I raise my kids closer to mountains. Okay, well, we set that goal. And when we reverse engineered it to five years, yeah, we, I don't think it's in the five-year range. But what's one thing we can do this year to feel like we're on track? And my wife said, well, you know, we could take one mountain vacation a year just to scope out areas so that fast forward someday when we earn the right to move where we want to move, we know exactly where we want to live. Awesome. Then COVID hits, the world shuts down. And one of the things that was interesting is the majority of my time is invested in helping organizations adopt this. And I started to realize I work with some of the largest companies in the world. And I consistently heard the future of work is virtually based, physically enhanced. And I looked at my partners and said, you know, for a company that teaches companies to be productive, shouldn't we be one of those companies so we have authority? And they looked at me and they said, that's a real good point. Mm -hmm. And I asked the question, I said, well, if that's the case, then do I need to live in Austin? They said, I guess not. Well, we had already booked a trip to Denver. Our flight was two weeks later. Because we had set the goal to be in the mountains someday, we booked the Denver trip. When COVID hit and we realized we should be a virtually based, physically enhanced company, instead of it being a scouting trip, it became a house buying trip. And I literally bought the house I'm standing in on this trip. And instead of it being a 20 year vision, it became a five month reality. The purpose of a goal is to be appropriate in the moment. 
Now, I need to bring in a bit of the metaphysical in there too. What's your take on that being that when you've set that goal with that much clarity, the kind of universe, and I hope you're not the one who caused COVID here, but at the same time, the universe kind of conspires to make it easier. Do you see a lot of that happen? Oh, yeah. I was very intentional in forming the habit of meditation. I do it every morning. It's a serious study for me. And when I talk to, you know, I work with an organization out of India, which, I mean, that's a way of life for them. And I talked to a guy who's been meditating for 35 years. And I said, what's been the biggest value you've gotten? He says, oh, I can will anything I want into existence. <laughs> I was like, hold on, <laughs> mic drop, mic drop. Um, having that kind of clarity, I mean, you get into the science behind it between the reticular activating system and what you focus on and bringing that into your, no accidents. Mm. And I find it's fascinating because I've also had that kind of notice how as soon as you start focusing on that thing, it just starts to conspire to work with you to make it happen. But why is it that if we have that acknowledgement, a lot of us, again, still choose small things. Are we programmed to just choose? Is the fear in the way of choosing the big things? If we know it takes, so is this is, notice it takes the same amount of effort. Okay, we're going to get, you're going to love this. So my partner, Gary, at one point in his life, asked the question, am I a physical being having a minor spiritual experience or am I a spiritual being having a minor physical experience? Mm -hmm. He really thought about it and he decided for himself, he believes he's a spiritual being having a minor physical experience. And what that meant to him is that his job while he's here on earth is to grow spiritually as fast as as possible. Where do people grow most in their successes or their failures? Failures gives you all the lessons real quick. Failure gives you all the lessons. And if the purpose of a goal is not to achieve the result, if you no longer fear failure, then what he realizes, I should be setting goals that are so outrageously big that I have no idea if I can even achieve it, but it forces me to ask the question, who do I have to become? And now it's about how every day, how, who am I becoming? How am I growing? So goal setting by default has become a spiritual journey for Gary because he no longer fears failure. Wow. You want to let that one sit in? No wonder he's a self-made billionaire. No kidding. And again, this fear of failure seems to be one of the biggest things that I hold us. I feel like we almost set too many goals because we're like, well, at least we'll be able to maybe hit one of them. You know what I mean? Oh, and we're the exact opposite. Because mm -hmm. the thing that I have found, like when you do something like a 411, these are my goals personally and professionally for the year. And if that's the case, here's what I've got to do this month. And if that's the case, here's what I got to do this week. When we walk people through how to do this, the truth is, if you just picked one side, professional or personal, to start, and within that side, you just chose one goal, not five, not 10, you chose one that really mattered, and you proved to yourself that you could be the type of person that could have a relationship with that one goal by every week having a date where you sit down and ask, what's one thing I can do this next week? that puts me on track for my month, that automatically puts me on track for the year. If you just did that week after week after week, it would change your life. Because if you can have a relationship with one goal, can you earn the right to have a relationship with two? 
Mm -hmm. And if you have a relationship with two, can you earn the right to have a relationship with three? And before you know it, you are the type of person who actually invests their time and achieves extraordinary results. You talk about that relationship with the goal. If you're setting goals, let's say it's, I'll use this example about the book that I'm writing, right? So that is one catalyst about launching the business and the message around selling with love that I think is so powerful for the world to hear. And that was the one thing. And I feel like sometimes you set these kinds of goals and the book, for example, I'm at a point where it's hard and I'm not excited about it. And you talk about being in a relationship with it. Does that mean I'm supposed to always be excited about chasing my goals? I heard Gary say this, and it was in the first month of working with him. He said, you know, the reason most people fail to live the one thing is they do not endure the monotony of success. Success is not the new shiny idea. Success is not the latest productivity hack. It's about being really clear on the timeless priorities that if you just knock down day after day after day over time would unleash extraordinary results. The problem is people don't make peace with the boredom because the novelty's going to wear off. It's going to wear off. But the people that really achieve extraordinary, they make peace with it. They endure it. And I think that's a big lesson for all of us to make sure that we embrace. And again, I know for me, the reason I push through the grind is because I have that big goal at the back that does excite me. Purpose. And I, is, that, is that exactly what keeps that relationship alive? Yeah. You are so bought in, invested in the vision or the purpose, the reason why behind it, that it powers you through the monotony. Mm. Which brings me to one of the last questions I want to ask you, Jeff, which is for this, I find also as a man, this is really powerful. And I feel like, yes, this is like set the goal, chase it. And I've noticed that's for some people. And I've noticed this more particularly with women when it comes to goal setting at this type of precision being one thing that, oh, but I feel like it might limit me to possibilities that come into my life, or I'm afraid that my goal might change and now I'm locked in. What's your response when people talk about that? Very common thought, regardless of sex. I think we have to fundamentally understand the number one lie of productivity. And this is a lie that I learned the hard way. In my first 90 days of co-founding this company, I had to prove that I could cast a vision for the organization. I had to create a GPS, a one-page business plan. And you have to put into context, I'm fresh out of scrubs. Like, come on, I'm trying to get my wife to call me McDreamy. And all of a sudden, I've got to sit down with a billionaire and sell him on a vision and a business plan. Like, I was shaking in my boots. But I walked in, I remember I walked into the boardroom and I handed Gary and Jay each a copy of my GPS. And it looked very much like this, which if for the people who are just listening to this, a GPS stands for goal, priorities, and strategies. So I had one big goal at the top of the page. I had three major priorities that if I just did these three big things would make achieving that big goal possible. That's it. One page business plan. And here's what's interesting. Gary and Jay asked a bunch of questions about priority number one. I remember answering the questions, asking them if they were good. And they said, yeah. And so I started talking about number two. 
And about halfway through number two, Gary started asking more questions about number one. I remember thinking, he must have just forgotten. And so I answered the questions, asked him if we were good. He said, yes. I finished up number two, started talking about number three, and he started talking about number one. You ever seen Meet the Parents? So for the people here who have seen Meet the Parents, if you know the circle of trust, I felt like I was not in the circle of trust. Why is it that Gary keeps going back to number one? Hold on, we, we have a visitor. Daddy's in is doing his one thing right now. Can you, who is he? His name is Jason. He's interviewing me. Hi. Hi. Do, you, Hi. do you want to tell him what your one thing is? My one thing is to respect Daddy's time block. I'm on a time crunch. Bye. Hear that? So for those listening in, we had his daughter jump in and come and say a quick hi, which is beautiful to see, especially in these times where we all have family at home. She said, my one thing is to respect daddy's time block. (laughs) Boom, shakalaka. Let me go close the door. (laughs) (laughs) That, ladies and gentlemen, is the way that you get to apply one thing in your parenting. (laughs) So good. That just happened. So I felt like I wasn't in the circle of trust. There's a reason he keeps going back to number three. I did the best I could. I answered the questions, asked if we were good. He said, yeah. I went back to number three and 10 seconds later, he cut me off. And asked Jeff, do you need to do number three in order to do number two? I said, no. He asked, do you need to do number two in order to do number one? I said, no. He then asked me, you know what? Do me a favor, draw a line between number one and number two. And he waited while I drew that line. And he said, you know what? Even better, do me a favor. Rip the page in half. I kid you not, he waited while I took my business plan and went. And then he said something that changed the way I viewed time. Don't even think about number two or number three until you've earned the right to by mastering number one. Here's why I share this with you. The number one lie of productivity is the lie that everything matters equally. Everything does not matter equally. And to what you asked, Jason, that feeling of, oh, if I just, if I declare one thing, my one thing, does that limit me? No. What it forces you to do is to acknowledge that everything that's on your plate is not of equal importance. We know Pareto's principle, 80-20. 80% of our results come from 20% of our activities. But this goes even farther to the 20% of the 20% of the 20% till you truly arrive at one. Can you become the type of person who is clear on their one thing and just does their one thing first? Hmm. And then the last question here is, if I'm chasing this one thing, but I realize it's no longer relevant, life changes, maybe with COVID particularly, some people had some life change, or you just realize that what you had set for that 20-year visit, maybe your your preferences change. Have you wasted time? Can I change? What happens in the principle? No. Your one thing is not something that's etched in stone. It's not like Charlton Heston marched up a mountaintop, got it handed to him and said, thou shalt follow. Like That's not how this happened. Things change. And in that moment, you ask, great, of all the things I can do, what's the one thing I should do first? It's flexible. Be appropriate in the moment. Jeff, 
This has been a fantastic episode. We went through some amazing wisdom. I know for the people coming in live, like Jill and Elliot, they're talking about wisdom, they talk about power. This was such a wonderful session. And just for the benefit of the people listening in, we kicked off by just being introduced to Jeff. And I love that the first thing we really talked about is how to start leading with contribution whenever you're looking to make an impact or connect with people. And I know that the principle that you shared from Jim Rohn, which is you are the sum of the five people you're closest to. And with knowing that, it became the one thing for Jeff and got close to the partners that brought him in to be the CEO, which is now working on making so many more people productive by focusing on the one thing. We went into the principle of this book. And if you're looking to do great results, if you're looking to do okay results, then this episode was probably not right for you. But knowing that everyone here is looking to be a superhuman at work, you're looking for those extraordinary results, and this is the secret to get you there. It is the one thing. And what's fascinating is that it sounds so simple, but it's not easy. How do you always keep focused on the one thing? Jeff walked us through the framework where one of the big things you want to get clear on is that 20-year kind of goal will give you a chance to build a relationship with your goal. Be excited about that. So if you haven't taken the time to plan that out, it's a really good thing to do so that you're not just doing things for the sake of doing it. You're doing it with an extremely high amount of purpose. Once you have that, you can drill it down to the five years. Once you have that, you can drill it down to the one year. And from there, he talked about how to have this GPS, which is in business to have kind of guidance as well as having a 411. But the biggest thing is that once you've done that groundwork, it always starts with the one thing, always goes back to one thing, which is bigger than what you thought. Now, I love that Kelly himself, Kelly Geller, decided that while being a spiritual being, have his physical experience. And I know for the Mind Valley fans, you are definitely aligning with that you know that failure is simply an opportunity to grow spiritually. So set those goals bigger. Yes, you might be afraid. Yes, there might be some struggles, but this is going to be what makes you grow in a spiritual way. And the physical growth will be following you along definitely. And one of the biggest principles that I'd want you to take away from this is have that weekly meeting with yourself, as Jeff has suggested, where you can think, what is the one thing? I know for me to drill this into my mind, I mentioned at the beginning, I'd share something. This has changed. It's no longer relevant, but it was becoming so important for me that my passwords everywhere was a combination of words that reminded me to be talking about the one thing. I'm not going to share with you my password, but I'll tell <laughs> you, if you can find ways that you can constantly be reminded that the one thing is the most important thing, you will realize that that is what moves the lever for you. And interestingly enough, I had a meeting with my accountability group yesterday and I realized that as I'm feeling anxiety and I was feeling distractive and unproductive, I was not in relationship with my goals. The current goal that I had, I realized was not the one thing anymore. A new one thing needed to emerge because I was wanting to become a new person and I was still holding on to the past. And those past activities kept me busy, but not moving towards that big vision. And by focusing on the one thing, we were going to decide that this is the adventure that we need to launch. And that becomes super powerful as well. Jeff, once again, this was such a powerful session. Thank you so much for sharing. And for everybody listening in, remember, if you want to join these live sessions, you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, and you'll be able to join some future sessions. And for those of you who love the ideas shared in this podcast, you're going to want to pick up the One Thing book. And Jeff, where else can they find more information about this to get connected with you? Sure. Well, you're already listening to a podcast, so I'd click the search button and type in the one thing, the O-N-E-T-H-I-N-G. And then our website is the one thing, but it's with the number one instead of being spelled out. So the, then number one thing.com. And on the, on the free stuff page, you can see the GPS, the 411, all the stuff we talked about. Jeff, once again, thank you so much. And all you superhumans, thanks for tuning in. My pleasure. 
Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver, where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast.